So where can I find more info about getting a mother's helper or assistant and the costs involved? I'm trying to be positive. Feeling the heaviness of life, not feeling privileged at all. Is this an affordable option for a mom who works from home with kids? I want to be positive and manifest, but I'm feeling a bit like this option is out of my league. Please give me some hope. Nicole. Hey, if you too are feeling the heaviness of life and you feel like you can't afford to hire help, keep listening. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital. If you're just meeting me for the first time, I'm a mindful parenting coach. I'm the mother of four. And my goal is to help you, my fellow imperfect, intentional parents, say goodbye to clutter, chaos, and conflict, and reclaim peace, presence, and play for your family. I try out the ideas that I need to learn on my own family, my lab, and with my clients, and I share those that work for us with you. I have a little allergy to dogmatic, one-size-fits-all thinking, and I know for a fact that the things that I share here are not right for everyone. So if it's not right for you, just scroll on by, you know, switch to the next idea, or take what works for you and make it apply in your situation. The ideas here are not meant to be presented as, you know, prescriptions. They're simply explorations and, you know, sharing uh, from the heart of what I know. I know that I am not for everyone and that is absolutely fine. My goal is to serve you in some way and provide inspiration and ideas and action steps to make your life with your kids improved, harmonious, peaceful, enjoyable in whatever way that means for you. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of how we can afford help when we feel like we can't afford help, I just want to shout out to Lisa who left me this beautiful um, review on iTunes and just to say thank you so much to each and every one of you for sharing on Instagram, for leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes. It means the world to me. And Lisa wrote, Avital is my life coach. Whenever I have questions on parenting, I check with what Avital has to say about it first. I think that she's so genuine and the advice she offers are non-judgmental, which is so amazing when you're already feeling alone in the parenting sphere. Her teachings are well-researched and I can always rely on her for the most up-to-date and effective information. Love the podcast so far. I listen to it while I'm working at home. Keep up the good work. You're amazing. Lisa, thank you so much for singing my praises. I really appreciate it. And not just to stroke my own ego, but really to get the word out there about this, you know, change making work that we're trying to do. But what I'm so happy you picked up on, Lisa, is that we really strive to make a non-judgmental environment, especially when you're already feeling alone in the parenting sphere. That's exactly right. And who isn't feeling alone? You know, it takes so much to not feel alone, (laughs) to feel supported, because the very people who love us most, our parents, our neighbors, our friends, the school teachers, um, they're often the ones who disagree with our parenting ideas and philosophies and with the way we're doing it. And that can lead us feeling incredibly isolated. So let's get into what we're going to talk about today, which is about the feeling of not being able to afford help. 
And if you want the show notes for this episode, they're over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 24, forward slash 24, you'll find the show notes. And you can leave your comments there. I love to hear your comments about the episodes. Let me know what resonates. Um, Ask me your questions. And of course, share it out on Instagram. I love to see you in your stories. Tag me at Parenting Junkie. Take a selfie. (laughs) Tag a friend. Um, And let's, uh, let's talk about this and let's break this down. So Nicole, the woman I quoted earlier, posted on our group asking about how she can find help when she can't afford help. And she got a lot of ideas from our community, such as finding a young mother's helper in her community or a senior resident who may be interested. And as a result, she had an epiphany. Nicole realized that she was living in an apartment building full of senior residents. And she built up the courage to reach out and ask for help. Nicole hung an adorable hand-drawn flyer in the communal living area And let me read it to you because she shared that flyer with us. It said, volunteer grandparent needed. This is Brendan, insert stick uh, figure drawing of her son, age three and a half. Interests, robots. Time commitment, two hours a week. When? Wednesday or Thursday morning, but we are flexible. Where? Brendan's house, 12th floor. Brendan lives far away from his grandparents. He would love to spend quality time with someone other than his parents. Brendan's mom is home to help. Crafts, games, block building, etc. Read books. If interested, please email Nicole. Mom. P.S. We have a dog who may ask to play too. Isn't that awesome? Nicole wrote that out by hand and hung it up in their communal area in their building. And she updated us that within hours, they had a volunteer grandma contact her. And when they met her later that week, Nicole reported back to us that she was awesome, that she would be coming every week for free to look after Brendan and give Nicole a moment to catch her breath. Nicole also shared that she would never have thought that this was possible given her budget and she thanked our community for a push in the right direction. So today I'm here to give you a push in the right direction too, hopefully, if it feels right for you, if you're open and receptive to this. Because if you're telling yourself you can't afford it, look at Nicole who thought she couldn't afford it but suddenly when she got creative she found an answer right under her nose. I can't help but think that for the volunteer grandma, this may have been the opportunity for connection, meaningful contribution and community that she was waiting for and in need of. Far from feeling used or resentful, she may have been deeply missing being needed by someone and might have rejoiced in the opportunity to be of service and enjoy a young child's company. Sometimes we think we're the ones getting the help, but giving and receiving are deceptively similar. So look around you. Are there community centers that run free children's programs or even drop-off events? Are there young teens or senior citizens who may be overjoyed to spend some time with a cute little kid? Are there stay-at-home moms who would barter? Are there people in your community who would love to have a cup of coffee and a chat with you and be more than happy to hang out with the kids for an hour while you go on a walk to catch your breath? When you start to open your own receptivity to being helped and supported, you send a message to those around you that you would appreciate and accept their offers. This is the opposite of being that super mom who can do it all herself and isn't open and receptive to other people's help. 
Here's another idea. You could have a co-op with other parents, right? You could set up a system where you take their kids for one evening, you babysit them. Say you're in a couple, maybe you go around to their house and babysit their kids one evening while they go out for a date night. And the next week, one of them comes over to babysit your kids while you go out for a date night. That's a free babysitting co-op right there. So if you think you can't afford help, first become aware of the free opportunities for support that might be right under your nose. Now let's talk about paid help. Because even with the possibility of free help, paid help is often a far more reliable option for many parents. And whenever I share publicly that I have paid help at home, I'm bound to get a few spiteful attacks in the comments. It always leaves me scratching my head. What is it about paying for help that has people so up in arms anyway? Take this comment, for example, left on my Instagram. I just found out that you basically have live-in style help, like all the time. I live in Brooklyn, which is not exactly a third world country, and I don't know anyone who has a nanny or a housekeeper. Making it seem like you do it all, when really you basically have a staff doing it for you, makes you come off as privileged, patronizing, and self-centered, which is basically the opposite of what I used to think about you. That was one lovely comment left on my Instagram. And here's another friend who wrote that pretending you don't have help is disrespectful to another woman's labor. It's also unfair to those of us who can't afford it to pretend it isn't a huge part of the equation. Now, I'm not reading these uh, to hold myself a pity party. I'm fine with people attacking my lifestyle, although it's not my preference, of course. It's just a price that you pay for being out there. But what I find so disturbing in these snarky comments is that they are rooted in a deeply damaging belief about paying for help. And I don't want any other woman to ever feel lesser than because she pays for help or receives help freely. If you're saying, I can't afford it, then let's just address that sometimes our budget has absolutely zero wiggle room in it. I get it. And when that's the case, we need to find free opportunities for help, like the ones I've already mentioned. You do need to put out the feelers and be in the receiving vibration, open to offers of help, and you'll find that it may well be there. It may not be in the exact way you imagined it would come, but the point when your budget is super tight, is to surrender and be receptive to ways you can make your life easier, corners that you can cut. When you absolutely have no money to spare for help, look for what you have to offer to others. Are you great at cooking and might be happy to double batch for a friend while she watches your kids and gives you a break? Are you doing the carpool run every morning and you could easily pick up another couple of kids on the block in exchange for some afternoon babysitting? You'd be surprised how many other parents in your circles might also be feeling the atmospheric pressure of isolation crushing down on them and would be happy and relieved to share the burdens of home life with another family. We had an arrangement with our neighbors and friends uh, where we would trade grocery visits. Every time I went to the grocery store, I took their list with me and did a double shop. It's not that much more work once you're there. And then I got a week off where they did my shopping the next week and saved me a trip. Or like I mentioned above, a free babysitting co-op. You go out with your partner or alone, right? And you want to go out, but you can't afford a babysitter for a week or an afternoon. Rotate between the families every week. 
Sometimes it's also about opening your heart to seeing who might need you and who you might be able to lean on a little in exchange. Maybe there's someone in your life who's a great listener and they're happy and available to listen to you in a way that almost rivals therapy. Maybe there's someone in your life who would love the chance to make you a cup of tea when she comes over or give you a foot massage when you sit down. There may be fantastic subsidized programs such as free music classes for babies at your local church, synagogue, mosque, community center. Are you open to receiving? Because until you are, do your best not to say things like, there's no help to be found. It could be knocking on your door, but you aren't willing to open up and say yes. I've experienced this firsthand because I too have donned that super mama cape and be like, I can do everything by myself. And even when people have offered help, I've said no out of awkwardness or feeling like I'd have to reciprocate or a fear that it wouldn't be the type of help that I really needed. Learning to soften into that heart space and be receptive helps not only you with your life, but actually it helps those people too, because giving and receiving are deceptively similar as I already said. Much as we might love to hate on it, the amount of free support and solutions that are available to us through social media and other online resources is astounding. When I see the types of crowdsourced support offered between parents in my Facebook group, Love Parenting with Avital, I swell with pride. (laughs) That sounds a little patronizing. It's not like I'm proud of them because I'm their mommy, but I'm just so proud to be part of a community that offers such an abundance of free support and help to each other. And you may also be surprised to see how far just a few dollars can go. You might think I can't afford help because you're imagining a much bigger budget needed than what you really do need. Tamara, a cherished parenting junkie team member and my right-hand lady, pays a little homeschooled nine-year-old girl $3 an hour for her mother's helper services. Now, where Tamara lives, that's much less than you would usually pay for babysitting, and this girl is fantastic at keeping little Lucas busy and occupied while Tamara gets some work done. The girl's mother doesn't want to let Tamara pay her anymore and the girl loves playing with Lucas and she gets the experience of independence and getting a real job at the tender age of nine. And Tamara gets to do some work done within earshot. Often the I can't afford it isn't the most correct or helpful framing of the situation. Although it might feel true, it might mean a lot of different things and it's helpful to break down what that really means. Often I can't afford it really means there is zero wiggle room in my budget for anything extra right now. And that's fine. Then we get the free help as addressed above. But often I can't afford it really means it's not high on my list of priorities or I don't value it or I haven't been able to organize my budget in a way that includes this. It might also mean I don't think it's worth it, or even I'm not worth it. It could also mean I didn't make the money, so I don't deserve to spend it on helping myself. It could mean I should be able to do everything by myself. I'm not earning money, so I don't deserve help. Let's dispel these, shall we? Help is a worthy expense. 
Let me just say that again so it sinks in. Help is a worthy expense. It's amazing that we don't seem to judge others for their expensive taste in jeans or their trips to Disneyland or their husband's video game consoles half as much as we judge them for their babysitter or housekeeping help. If I sent my kids to school or paid top dollar for private school, I probably wouldn't get half the comments I do than paying a fraction of that price for housekeeping help. It's almost as though my critics think there's something amoral about another woman being paid to cut my vegetables, watch my baby, or fold my laundry. It wouldn't bother them if I had my mother helping me, mind you. I probably would be told I'm so lucky to have that help because it's free. But the fact that I pay someone to help me is somehow interpreted as my spitting in the face of my maternal responsibilities. I believe it should be interpreted as a fulfillment of my maternal responsibilities and then some. Not only are you caring for yourself and minding your own energy expenditure, warding off burnout, perhaps allowing yourself to work and make an income, as in my case, and even... gasp, shock, horror, enjoying your life in the process. But you're also providing more caregivers for your children and making jobs for others to thrive in and be prosperous. Triple win. I believe you should spend the money you have on the things that bring you joy. And as long as you aren't stealing that money from someone else or evading taxes, everybody else should zip it. I think Top of that joy list, at least for me, is getting help and not burning out. If help is necessary and grandma, other family or community aren't available, then the next logical step is to pay for it. Perhaps as hunter-gatherers, we foraged and hunted our food, but today most of us pay for it. For better or worse, the results of a farming commodities-based economy is that we don't sustain all of our needs independently. Neither would I personally want to. I don't sew my own clothes. I don't grow my own food from scratch. I didn't build my car or my laptop. Many of the things that were once built into the fabric of a hunter-gatherer clan, such as education, entertainment, protection, are things we now pay for. Why should help be any different? Rearranging the budget. I'm not saying you should pay for anything that isn't in your budget or that you should hire a full-on staff. I am saying that sometimes if you look at your budget, you can find that things can be rearranged. I personally didn't get help all at once. With my first son, I had help only during the hours I was away and working at an office. But gradually, as my family and my business grew, I was able to hire more help. Initially, it was a stretch and we still feel that it's a bit of a stretch and it's a huge chunk of our income going to paid help. We definitely give up on other things on our wish list in order to pay for the help, but it's undoubtedly the best money we've ever spent. I credit it with a lot of my health, wellness, happiness in my marriage and happiness in my parenting. For example, you might be making splashy birthday parties or buying too many toys or gadgets. You might be paying for subscriptions that you don't even use or for clothes that you don't really need. You might be paying a premium on your food or perhaps paying for classes or services that don't really bring you that much joy. In my family, for example, we chose to live in a more affordable area than, say, Brooklyn, as the woman above mentioned, but we put some of that budget towards help. 
I'm extremely lucky to love the work that I do and I happily spend on babysitting help as I know it allows me to run my business that supports my family and my team's families too. I say I am lucky and I absolutely know that I am. I'm beyond grateful for all the slack I've been cut in life and for all the tremendous gifts. And I also need to acknowledge that a large extent of luck is made. To a large extent, we make our own luck. One of the slurs the woman in the Instagram quote threw at me was that I came across as privileged. And I am. Of course I am. Frankly, anyone who has running water, access to medical care, a roof over their heads, fresh food to eat, and an internet connection is wildly privileged, as these are living conditions that the majority of the world can only dream of. I think rather than feeling ashamed of our privilege and thinking we need to deprive ourselves, it's far more beneficial and respectful to those who don't have the same privileges to take our good fortune and use it to bring more good fortune to others. As we thrive and create prosperity for ourselves, we can be more philanthropic, we can give back, we can create jobs. When you take whatever budget you have and pay for help, you help another person make some money and do some good in the world. I'm proud that I've built the financial stability to be able to support myself, a business, team, and a housekeeper or babysitter, all of whom benefit from the prosperity I've been blessed and lucky in creating. I don't imagine for a moment that I did it alone. I've been lucky in more ways than I can list, including where, when, and to whom I was born. But how on earth would it benefit others if I kept myself on a hamster wheel of stress, just barely managing picking up my kids' socks and struggling to get the pasta on the table every night? How then would I be improving the world for those around me? Here's an Abraham Hicks quote that I love. You cannot get sick enough to help sick people get better. You cannot get poor enough to help poor people thrive. It is only in your thriving that you have anything to offer anyone. If you're wanting to be of an advantage to others, be as tapped in, turned in, turned on as you can possibly be. What the woman in the above quote failed to recognize is the irony in her words. I live in Brooklyn, which is not exactly a third world country, and I don't know anyone with a full-time nanny. Lady, I'm not even from New York, and I know a handful of people in Brooklyn with full-time help. But that aside, her choice to live in the seventh most expensive city in the world might be part of the reason why she feels she can't afford help. Had she lived in a quote, third world country, or more correctly, low income countries in the majority of the world, her Brooklyn salary might hire her a staff that would make Downton Abbey blush. Sometimes it comes down to choice, doesn't it? Not always, of course. There are extenuating circumstances and it would be oh so ivory tower of me to suggest that every budget can be rearranged to accommodate hired help. It can't, mine couldn't, and it may not in the future. But it irks me to talk to clients who, even while sipping on their Starbucks fraps, freshly back from their beachy vacations, tell me that they in earnest can't afford a few bucks for a mother's helper once a week. If this is you, take a real look at what you value. For me, I would prefer to skip out on some deluxe items if it means getting the much needed breather that allows me to be the parent I want to be right now. You are worth it. 
Ultimately, you need to understand that you are worth whatever you want in this world. There is nothing you need to do or be in order to prove your worthiness. If you have the desire to invite in more ease and flow into your home life, you can make it a reality. You need to know there's nothing to be guilty about. My grandparents are all Holocaust survivors. They escaped the Nazis as teenagers, leaving most of their family behind. Most of my great-grandparents were murdered. My grandparents arrived as penniless and often teenage refugees to London and had to make it on their own. When I think of the privileges that I have in comparison to my grandma, I feel an overwhelming sense of gratitude. But what should I do with that comparison? How can I best honor her struggle and the unthinkable sacrifices she was forced to make just so that I could be alive, not to mention thrive? Would making myself smaller, making myself suffer, finding my own drama in my day-to-day life honor her? Sometimes we buy into the story that we are only worthy of joy, love, abundance, and ease if we worked hard and sacrificed to get it. But I never did. I never worked hard in my life. I've never wanted for anything and I've never sacrificed. All I can say in the face of the bountiful blessings in my life is a simple, humble thank you. You don't need to buy your joy and ease with sweat, blood, and tears. You are worthy of an enjoyable life right now, as you are, on your own terms, even as a parent. It's okay to be okay. It's okay to be rocking it. It's okay to feel supported. It's okay to not be too busy or too tired or too broke for life. It's okay to show your kids that most of the time you're fine. Awesome, in fact, despite your 20% bad days. You are worthy of the help you need to make your life easy and fun, whatever help that might be. A mother's helper, a volunteer grandparent, a drop-off program at your church. You don't need to suffer to be happy. Killing the Golden Goose A farmer and his wife were delighted one day to find that one of their geese had laid a golden egg. They assumed that this magical goose must be made of solid gold inside. And so they chopped her open, greedily hoping to get at the gold. But the foolish pair were terribly disappointed to find only goose innards. If you kill the golden goose, you can't get any more golden eggs. This is the time for some straight talk. You are the golden goose in Aesop's fable. And I was recently reminded of this fable when I read Denise Dt's Lucky Bee book, where she quotes this exact story. If you run yourself to the ground trying to excavate out the last bit of gold, you will be disappointed to find that you too have your limits. Burnout is a real thing. And I refer you back to my episode all about burnout to hear more about how to ward it off. I personally have clients who have crashed and burned so bad that they needed to be hospitalized and could not care for their families for weeks. But we shouldn't need such dramatic results to warn us against supermama syndrome. Even just the seemingly harmless buildup of resentment and overwhelm should be a giant red flag to us parents that we need to accept help and take a break, whether it's a mini break to breathe for a few moments or a full-blown spa vacation. We need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others and also because we're worthy. 
You too are someone's child. You too are worthy of care. Parenting is a high-stakes, high-performance practice. It's high-stakes because what could be more important? Raising the next generation and the people we love most in the world. And it's high-performance because doing it well demands 100% of our attention. It demands very high levels of patience and skill. Plus, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long, lifelong road that demands consistently high energy levels. That's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for supermamas. Supermomming might work for a sprint, but expending all that energy on being perfectly everything to everyone all the time is not sustainable. Take this as the warning, and please don't wait for it to come in the form of a medical emergency. Slow the fudge down and accept help. Honestly, even if you have a full staff, a chef, full-time cleaner, a nanny, a chauffeur, whatever you might want, you would still find parenting challenging. Because the truest work of parenting is internal. It's relational. And to show up to that work takes a lot of mental and emotional energy. But to really be on your A-game, to crush those limiting beliefs and hit your 80% peaceful goal, for that, you need luxe, royale, over-the-top self-care. You need to treat yourself like a gold medalist Olympic champ. And you can listen to my podcast episode all about parenting like an Olympic champ. The only difference is that they train for four years and you'll be training for at least 18 Consider the cost of not getting support, the cost of burning out or years of buildup and resentment to your spouse or your children for all the hard work you're doing. That is a price I personally am not willing to pay. I think that children who grow up seeing their mom feeling like a victim, feeling run down, exhausted, and perhaps so mad at daddy for not helping enough, end up feeling guilty, like they are the reason mommy has to work so hard and sacrifices so much. Do you want your family to feel that you sacrifice for them? Some people answer that with an emphatic yes, but take a moment and really ask yourself if that feels like love to them. If true, unconditional love means sacrifice? To me, it's a clear-cut no. I do not want my kids to ever feel like they were a burden, like I had to sacrifice or work my buns off because of them. I want to liberate them from that type of guilt and allow them to move through life knowing they were wanted, they were a joy, and that I didn't give up my own life, interests, or health in service to them, that I gave freely from the purity of my heart, and that I cared for them because it is what I chose to do. There will obviously be downfalls. If that sounds idyllic, don't try to measure it up to some perfectionistic standard. But the general theme is that we need to feel supported in order to feel joy. We need not to be burning out in order to build a sustainable, peaceful relationship with our children. And the only way I know of how not to burn out over the long haul is to accept help in some arena of your life. Maybe it's in your work, maybe it's housework, maybe it's with the children, maybe it's with your inbox. It doesn't matter. It could be free help, it could be community help, it could be paid help, and it could be super uber, over-the-top, deluxe, full-staffed help. Whatever works for you. 
This week's YouTube video is all about putting down that super mama cape. I'm gonna explain why super moms are not my goal personally, why I don't like the term super mom, and what I think we need to work to instead. So I hope you'll meet me over there. You can just go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash blog for the latest blog post and YouTube video, and I'll meet you in the comments there. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.